I love that. That's great. All right, right now, how many of you wish occasionally you could turn it off and on, you had x-ray vision, right? That would be awesome, right? Especially, especially if you're a parent. (laughs) You know where I'm going with this, right? Because the kid comes up to you, Dad, my leg hurts. You're fine. Um, That'd be be great, right? How many of you have had the dream where you could fly? Oh, man, that's so great. I just, you don't even want to wake up, right? So we'll talk about that in a few weeks, all right? We're starting a new sermon series today called Superpowered. So thank you for being here. If you're watching online, appreciate you logging in. We'd love to have you visit us on site. If you're new here at Chapel Rock, I'd love to meet you. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, please come when we're done down here and say hi. If you are new, you may be wondering why like half of the people in here are wearing blue because we told them to last Sunday, <laughs> all right? So each week in this sermon series, we're kind of encouraging people to wear a, a, a color connected to the superhero of the day. So today we're talking about Superman and his x-ray vision. Most of his costume is blue, so we told everybody to wear blue. Next week, it's the Hulk, and so wear green, okay? So that's the, that's the deal uh, next, next Sunday. Um, I have been excited to do this sermon series uh, for a long time. Uh, last summer, I got away and kind of prepped out the preaching plan for 2020, uh, excuse me, for, for this year, and, and so I, I knew that we'd be doing this almost a year ago. So I've been looking forward to this for basically a year, all right? And it's not just because I prepped it out and I was excited to do it. Um, there are really three reasons I wanted to do this. First of all, I just love superheroes. I just think this is fun. Um, so I'm having a blast for the next six weeks, you know? I just think it's great, and you have to deal with it. Ha! Um, So, (laughs) I always have, always will, just love that stuff. Uh, Secondly, I think it captures the spirit of the times. Uh, 2019 is going to be the greatest year in history for superhero movies. Let's just kind of track this out for a second, all right? Uh, If you start in 1978, which was when that movie came out, Superman 1, uh, Richard Donner directing Christopher Reeve as as Superman. Um, That came out in 1978, right? I was two when that came out. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry if that makes you feel old. Uh, <laughs> makes me feel old. Uh, but then from 78 to 2001, and by that point I was married and a dad, for that entire length of time, we had maybe one big superhero movie every year. And not every year had one, all right? So that's, you get the Batman movies with Michael Keaton in like 89, 91, 92, that, that range. Um, then in 2002, for the first time, we had two. She so had, had the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Blade 2. And some of you are like, that's not a superhero movie. It was a comic before it was a movie. It counts, all right? Um, so you're like, nerd, guilty. Uh, all right, so then in 2000, from 2003 to 2011, we, we had three to four every year. And that's 2008 is Iron Man 1. That's the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then in 2012 with the Avengers that year, it just took off. And every year since 2012, we've had five to six superhero movies. This year, 2019, there are nine. Every six weeks, just about, you can go see a new superhero movie. The new Spider-Man's coming out in like two weeks. It, it, it's, <laughs> the teenagers down here, yes, um, that's awesome, right? It, it, it's just, it's incredible. And listen, none of that counts Superhero TV shows and all the animated stuff that's constantly, it's just this, this deluge of superheroes. It's just the cultural moment that we're in. 
It's the zeitgeist. It, it, it's, it's the place we are. And I think for the church to not speak to that is just dumb. Just strategically, we need to talk about this. But the third reason is the most important. And it's this. Every one of you, if you're a Christian, has been given these supernatural powers by God Almighty, and we cannot accomplish our vision of seeing the whole community whole in Christ unless you use your powers. That's why we're doing this. That's the most important reason. We want to, over the next six weeks, equip you to use the powers that God has given you by his spirit. We're going to talk about what it means to be superpowered, okay? And we're going to have some fun along the way. Right now, I want you to open your Bibles or your Bible apps to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 is, is the text we're going to read today initially. Now, our powers come to us not as a result of a lab accident like the flash, or a, a, a bite from a radioactive spider like Spider-Man. Or being so stinking rich you can buy them like Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark. Or, or being the last son of an exploded planet like Kal L. Clark Kent, Superman. No, our powers come to us when we decide to follow Jesus. When you hear the gospel proclaimed to you and you respond to that offer of forgiveness in Jesus and repent of your sins, and give him your life, and are baptized, and the Holy Spirit of God comes into you. When he comes into you, he brings power, and he gives it to you. Everybody gets different stuff. We don't all get the same thing. We get his presence, but the gifts, the powers that he gives to us are, are different, depending on what he needs us to have in those moments. See, the Apostle Paul spent a lot of his time talking to the churches of his day about how to use their powers. And the interesting thing is, when he wrote to the church at Rome, he gave them one list. When he wrote to the church at Corinth, he gave them a different list. When he wrote to the church at Ephesus, it's a third. I mean, like, he's recognizing, yeah, God in his sovereignty gives different, group, different gifts to different groups of people based on what they need. All right, now, so what are, what are these spiritual gifts? Let me kind of try to define this if I can. This is really just reflecting on everything Paul wrote about spiritual gifts uh, as a whole. Look at this definition. A spiritual gift is essentially an act of God's spirit working through a person, all right? It is a concrete manifestation in word or deed of God's grace through an individual for the benefit of others. God did not give you these powers for you to sit there and go, aren't I cool? He gave you these gifts, these abilities, these powers for you to use to bless other people. It is always about somebody else. And anytime in comic books that someone uses powers for themselves, they're not usually the good guy. They're bad guys. In fact, there's a movie that's out now in theaters called Brightburn. And that's what it is. It's a superhero movie where the guy who gets powers, basically a lot like Superman, is a bad guy. And it's warped. And it's tw I haven't seen it, but I've just read the reviews. It's just twisted. This is, your gifts are given to you for the benefit of other people. Now, there are two words that Paul used in the New Testament to talk about these. One is the word charismata. It's kind of the generic word. Or, or rather, it's the specific word for gifts of the Spirit. And, and the more generic word is the word pneumatica. And that just, it's spiritual gift. So charismata, it's a, it's a form of the word uh, charis, which is the word for grace. So it, it's an outworking of God's grace. And, and pneumatica is a form of the word pneuma, which is the Greek word for spirit. It's just, it's a manifestation or outworking of the Spirit. 
One's more specific, one's more general, but Paul kind of uses them interchangeably to talk about these gifts of the Spirit that he gives us. All right, so let's look at what these powers, these gifts are, are given to us to do. Look with me at Romans chapter 12, starting in verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, listen, some of you, we're not, we might not talk about your gift today. Okay, hang in there. Come back every week in this series because eventually we'll get there. But this is for all of us, all right? This instruction is for all of you. If you're in Christ, you need to listen to this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, in other words, your hand doesn't do what your foot does, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is the one anotherness of the New Testament church. We belong to each other. Remember our, our, our annual meeting a couple years ago, the theme was we're all in this together? That's what this means. And then he says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, we're going to pause right there. We'll get into other gifts later in this series, okay? Uh, Today, the first superpower we're going to consider is the gift of prophecy, uh, which is kind of the root gift for preachers, teachers, disciple makers, and stuff. Um, Basically, what this is is just speaking on behalf of God. It's giving a message to God's people from the Lord. That's what that is. It's pretty simple. But the idea is that it will edify the whole church because it speaks to the whole person. It speaks to their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength. And, and Paul goes into this and he explains it a little bit further in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, here's, there are some passages that you just need to know, all right? You just need to know. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all right? Uh, the 23rd Psalm, you know, you, you just need to know kind of where to find that. This great long passage on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Now, 13 is the love chapter, okay? But it's in the middle of this context of spiritual gifts. And Paul's saying love is the best thing of all, all right? You just gotta love people no matter what. But in, in 1 Corinthians 12, and then again in, verse, in chapter 14, Paul really starts to drill down on these, these gifts, and he specifically talks about speaking in tongues, okay? Now, before we look at this passage, let me just kind of clarify what is meant by that gift, because we're not going to talk about it in this series, because basically what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 is, it's good for you, but at the end of the day, there are other gifts that edify the church more, and so we're going to focus on those, okay? The thing is, is that in the New Testament uses that phrase, speaking in tongues, it uses the same phrase for two completely different things. It's a little bit confusing, and um, who am I to edit the Bible, but I kind of wish they would have picked a different term. Because the way it's used in Acts chapter 2 is for a language. The, Greek, the word translated tongue is the word glossa, which is where we get our word glossary, okay? It, it, it means language. It means something that you could study, but you haven't, and God miraculously gives you the ability to speak either in that language or he interprets it so that that's what they hear. That's the way the word gets used in Acts 2, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But the way he's going to use it in, in, Act, in 1 Corinthians 14 is kind of what they call, the scholars call an ecstatic utterance. It sounds like gibberish and therefore requires someone else with the gift of interpretation to tell the church what is being said. Uh, now, here's the thing. Some of you are like, I am totally not comfortable with that. That is just weird. Like I was at a church meeting one time and somebody started doing that and it freaked me out. And others of you have done it. Okay? So if you're over here you don't get to make fun of them. 
because Paul did it. He acknowledges that he did it, okay? And if you're over here, you don't get to feel like they're less of a Christian than you because they're not. Different gift, okay? That's how this works. So that's, that's the background for you to understand the text. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 14, okay? Look at what this says. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Catch this, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, that's again the, the way the ecstatic utterance, the prayer language, does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That's the job of that gift, to strengthen, comfort, and encourage the church, okay? And then later in the chapter, he says this, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer, a spiritual seeker, someone who's looking for God, a non-Christian comes to church, comes into your meeting, all right, while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by how, look at this, look at this, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. What is that? That's x-ray vision. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. See, based on that idea, that text, the gift of prophecy which, like I said, is kind of the root gift for preachers and teachers and disciple makers and, and, and everyone. I mean, lots of people get this. It, it kind of functions like Superman's x-ray vision, a little bit. And Paul says, all of us need all of the gifts. Every member belongs to all the others. So on a practical level, what that means is that the church needs people with spiritual X-ray vision. That's the big idea today. The church needs people who can see into others' hearts. We need people who can see into other hearts. That's what real prophecy, the gift of prophecy, does. And maybe some of you have had that experience. You've come to church or you've been in a Bible study and you started wondering who secretly put cameras in your house. Because you're like, how did they know? I don't. He does. That's how. And if you've ever felt that twinge of conviction, or maybe it was like, oh, thank you, I needed to hear that today. That, that comfort and that, that like, oh, thank God, okay, now I understand this. I, now I finally get what's going on with my weird kid, you know, or whatever. Like, okay, that's what that is. That's the Holy Spirit working through the church. And maybe it was me, or maybe it was Fred, or, or, or one of our other staff, but it could have been your Sunday school teacher, or your small group leader, or just a, a good Christian friend who has this gift. This gift of x-ray vision functions to reveal human hearts. You see, Superman's x-ray vision allows him to see through just about anything, right? What's the one thing it didn't work on? Lead. Right? If we were to watch the rest of that scene, you'd see an example of that. All right? If you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, forget it. Uh, <laughs> all right? So, but, but here's the thing. He, how many, name another superhero with x-ray vision. I'll wait. Because there aren't that many. I mean, now all the Kryptonians, right? I mean, anyone from Krypton who likes Superman. But they're, so Supergirl, Superboy, whatever. Um, but he's the one we know about. And then maybe a few, other, a few others, Zod could do that, you know, whatever. But there's not many, and we don't really know that much about them. 
all right? And then you get uh, another DC Comics character, Martian Manhunter, has kind of a version of this. He can kind of do it like Superman. It's not quite the same. And, and then there's this character called Ultraman. He started out as Ultra Boy. Now, he has all the powers of Superman, <laughs> but he can only use one at a time, which is like, okay, not okay, right? Because like he's, and, and all of them are, he's stronger. Every one of his powers is more than Superman's but he can only use one. So he can lift a, a heavier building faster than Superman can. But if you shoot him, it goes down. So, because um, he's using his strength at that time, right? And there's a couple bad guys that can, there aren't many, which is interesting that Paul kind of makes this connection with x-ray vision. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, I wish more of you could do this for whatever reason. And he says, I want you to desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. We read in, in earlier in 14. It benefits and it blesses the church far more so than speaking in tongues does. And he says, I wish more of you could do it. It seems seemingly, from what the Testament, New Testament says, kind of rare. It's not as frequently given as some of the other gifts that we're going to look at. And it functions like x-ray vision. So that's the connection here. Basically what Paul is saying is that our, our gifts are the expression of God's grace overflowing out of our lives and into the lives of other people. Right? And one of the ways that, that grace is experienced is through the gift of prophecy. So let's define this a little more carefully. Let's look. Here's what I want to do today. I'm going to follow a format that I'm going to do every week. So every week in this series that I do, Fred's got one and Chad's got one. But every week that I do the format, the outline is the same. Now the content will be different, but the outline's the same. It's the text, the tale, and the truth. All right? So first we're going to talk about the text. Let's look at, at Romans 12:6 again. He says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then use it in accordance with your faith. He says, if this is your gift. He's recognizing not everybody has every gift. And maybe we're not talking about yours today. Come back. Come back next week. Come back the week after that because we'll probably get to your gift. All right? Nobody has every gift except Jesus. I think... And this is just, this is a Casey Scott opinion, you know, treat me like chicken, you know, eat the meat and throw away the bones. Um, I think he had every gift based on a verse in John chapter 3, okay? Now remember, Jesus was fully human just like we are, yet was without sin. And I think because he was without sin, God gave him when he, when, you know, the Holy Spirit came down on him as a dove at his baptism, I think God gave Jesus every single spiritual gift. Look at this in, in John chapter 3, verse 34. Look at this. It says, for the one whom God has sent, who is that? Jesus. Speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. You and I get a primary gift secondary gift, maybe tertiary gift. Jesus got all of them maxed out. He didn't have an unfair advantage. Or, or his sacrifice for us on the cross wouldn't count. It wouldn't mean as, it wouldn't matter. He had to have had this, roughly the same kind of experience we had, except he had every spiritual gift. And here's why that's so important. Here's why that matters so much, okay? First of all, he gets you. He understands your gift. So if you will ask him to pray in his name, Jesus, help me understand my gift. He has it. He knows how to use it. And that's the second thing. If you don't know how to use your gift, ask Jesus. He knows. He's got it. He's got a lot more experience with it than you. 
He will tell you how to use it. The first one we're looking at today is the gift of prophesying. Now let's define this as it's used in, in Romans 6 a little more carefully, all right? This refers to the Holy Spirit-powered ability to speak inspired messages. Somebody with this gift is literally speaking on behalf of God. Now, as, as time wore on in the first century, people began to tell the apostles, hey, you guys are either getting old or they're coming after you to kill you. You need to write down these stories about Jesus. So they did. I, the Holy Spirit prompted them and they wrote it down. It's called the New Testament. It's called the Gospels. Before they had that, though, so we're looking at, you know, anywhere from 55 to 65 AD, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John came later, more like 90 AD. But, you know, um, you know, they're like, you need to write this down. But before they have this, you know, what are they going to talk? Well, they're going to look at the Old Testament about where it points to Jesus. But God was equipping members of the body to speak on behalf of him to the church. And Paul talks about that later in 1 Corinthians 14 about kind of how that should play out. As, once the New Testament is written, that gift shifts a little bit more to, well, what has God said? What's he telling us about it today? Well, let's look at that. And then the, the gift of prophecy kind of shifts and changes a little bit into let's apply the word to our lives. But it still has that original early New Testament sense as well as being just this is a word from God. This is God telling his people something. All right. Now, Paul qualifies the gift here. He qualifies the gift. He says that this needs to be um, in a, basically, uh, I want to get it right. What do you say? Um, in accordance with your faith is how the NIV translates it. Normally, I like the NIV. This is one place where they, I think they kind of biffed it. Um, I really like the New Revised Standard Version better. They get closer to the original text. It says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith. I, I Here's the thing. In the original text, the word faith has the, has the article, the definite article in front of it, the word the. In proportion to the faith is how it literally reads in the Greek. And I think what Paul is saying here is not so much like, if you have more faith, you'll be able to prophesy more. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, your prophecy, the use of this gift, needs to be in accordance with the established body of truth that we know from Scripture. You can't just, if you have this gift, and some of you do, you can't just walk up to someone and, and put your hand on their forehead like this and say, Jesus told me that you're going to move to, you know, Kathmandu and start a revival. Awesome, is he going to tell me? <laughs> right? Because like, that's, you know, I mean, and maybe God is calling you to do that. He certainly will never tell you to do something that this word tells you not to do. I'll guarantee you that. Right? It needs to be in accordance with your faith. So how do you know if you have this gift? Time and practice. Time and practice. How do you know if you've got it? Let me give you a few possible scenarios that might reveal that you have this gift. Okay, If God has ever used something you said to encourage or hold accountable a brother or sister at a crucial time, and something just popped in your head and just came out of your mouth and you weren't really thinking about it and it stopped them dead in their tracks. Like, wait, what'd you just say? Wow. Wow. Maybe you have this gift. God, just, it, it came unbidden. You weren't trying to come up with something to say. It just, poof, just came out your mouth and, whoa. God spoke through you. Okay, or, or maybe if you've ever been in a discussion with, uh, with other Christians about a, a hard passage to understand, and you say, 
no, I'm not sure you're understanding that correctly. I think this is what it means and here's why. And you begin to lay out your reasons why the text means what you think it means. And the rest of the group is like, oh my goodness, I never thought about that before. That makes, that makes a lot more sense than what we were talking about. I, th- I think you're right. You might have this gift. Okay? If you just always seem to have the right Bible verse to give to somebody at just the right moment when they need to hear it, you might have this gift. All right? And the only way you're going to know is just over time seeing God work through you this way and just kind of practice. God has given some of you this incredible power and you need to use it. You need to use it. I love this saying by Warren Wiersbe. He said, spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. He's given you these gifts, these powers to edify and grow the church, to build up the body Not to walk up to someone and just make some pronouncement over them, have them think you're just all sorts of hot stuff. Or or, or to bicker with other people. Your gift is dumb and my gift is awesome. You don't get to say what their gift is or evaluate it at all. So where do we see this gift in action? There's obviously a lot of places, but initially in the New Testament, we see it in Peter's preaching. That's the, that's the tale I want to set alongside this, the, the narrative where we see this. There are two stories in the book of Acts where we see Peter using uh, the, this, this gift, this x-ray vision to see right into people's hearts. One of them is in Acts chapter 5. I want you to look at this with me. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Um, let's, uh, let, let's look at this. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also, and the reason the word also is there is because in, at the end of the last chapter, Barnabas did this same thing, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. I don't know if he's going to remodel his kitchen or what, but he's, Barnabas gave the whole amount, and Ananias and Sapphira held some back. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard about what had happened. You go on to read, his wife came in, she tells the same story, she dies. This is like, God takes this stuff serious. And it's basically Peter just using this x-ray vision that God gives him to see right into the guy's heart. Now that story comes just not very long after the day of Pentecost. So turn back just a couple pages in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Right? Acts chapter 2, this is the day of Pentecost. This is 50 days after Jesus was resurrected, and, or 50 days after his ascension rather. And the apostles are in Jerusalem. They hear the sound of a great rushing wind but there's no wind. The Holy Spirit appears in tongues of flame, and they speak in tongues, only this time it's like we talked about before. It's the known language, right? They speak in tongues. People are hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own language, people from all over the Roman Empire, and they come together. Peter sees a crowd, and he's like, hey, it's time for church, and he starts preaching. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, listen to me. Right, let's uh, get that next screen there. There we go. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. No, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, so by the way, he's saying that 2,000 years ago was the last days. 
So for those of you who are all like flipped out about the end times, guess what? You're in them. Congratulations. Um, we've been in the last days since Pentecost. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. See, this gift is given old, young, doesn't matter. Male, female, doesn't matter. God gives this gift to his whole church. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then, then we read later in Acts um, 2, in verse 36, Peter goes on, he preaches this great sermon, and then we read in verse 36, look at this, he says, he's kind of wrapping up his sermon, he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard that, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's gonna come into you and bring gifts. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. When Peter speaks into their hearts, right? It says they were cut to the heart. If, if these first century Jews would have grown up where I did in southwest Missouri, they probably would have said something like, y'all, we done screwed up. They were cut to the heart. They, they, it, it, it affected them deeply. Now, that's an idiom in Greek. It literally means they were pierced to the heart. But what it, it was kind of an expression that just meant they were deeply, they were moved and grieved about what they'd done. They were moved and grieved about what they'd done. And so when Peter uses his prophetic gifting with Ananias and Sapphira, and then more significantly on the day of Pentecost, people's hearts were laid bare, and the gospel was advanced. See, that's vital to understand this gift. Look at this. True, spirit-inspired, word-focused preaching and prophecy will cut right through the lies and deceptions with which we surround ourselves. It will bring to light the wrongs we have done or the rights we have left undone and bring us to a place of repentance and submission to Jesus. Good Bible preaching does that. And just the body of Christ using the gift of prophecy, whether you've got this job or not, does that. See, the right and proper use of this gift will be people experiencing either the discipline of God or their hearts turning to Jesus in repentance and submission. And what that means is that true preaching and prophecy must, it must align with the revealed word of God. It has to. It also means that it will show forth the honor and glory of God. It will be a reminder that this Christian life is not a game. See, sometimes prophets get a bad rap because they say stuff we don't like. It hurts a little bit. <laughs> what we have to remember is that just like all the gifts uh, of God, all the gifts of mercy or serving, the gift of prophecy and preaching is an expression of grace. And what that means is that, that when someone gives you a prophetic word, they are expressing God's grace to you. And that means it must feel like grace. It must sound like grace. Some of you have probably had to endure a sermon or a word from somebody with no grace. As I recall, Jesus said, feed my sheep, not beat my sheep. Now, sometimes that grace can have a bit of an edge to it. 
When, when you're not well and you go to the doctor and he cuts on you, it hurts. I'm not saying that grace can't hurt. Sometimes grace hurts, but it should ultimately heal. And that's what this does. That's what the employment of this gift, whether it's a sermon or it's just somebody sitting in your life group talking to you, and if you don't have one, you need to sign up for Rooted today. But it's just someone sitting there going, you know, maybe you ought to think about this. (laughs) See, this also means that listening to that word, listening to your Rooted group leader, listening to me or Fred or someone up here preaching, means that right now you are experiencing the grace of God. Right in this very moment, you are experiencing God's grace. Some of you are like, I wish you were better at it. Me too. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, is it, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. I know. I wish I was better too. I wish every preacher on the whole planet was better. But this is God's grace expressed to you. Listen, this is what I'm saying. The gift of prophecy and preaching does two things, right? First of all, it reveals the places where we're not enough like Jesus. It reveals where we're not like Jesus. And if you think I beat you up sometime, I gotta deal with it for seven days before you hear it. It reveals the places where we're not like Jesus. But secondly, it allows us to deal with the real problem because it's that x-ray vision. It exposes the corruption in our hearts. It exposes the places where we're not like Jesus and go, okay, now you can really deal with it. I had a mentor one time tell me, the issue is rarely the issue. It exposes the real issue. (laughs) See, here's the truth I want you to take home with you today. Right? Here's the truth. That prophecy and preaching is not just for pastors. God, if I understand this right, God gave this gift to his church. Not just a few select people. Now, it's maybe more rare than some of the others. But it's to the whole church. Now, some of you are wondering, well, how come you did yours first? Two reasons. Number one, I wanted to get it out of the way. Right? I just want to spend more time on your gifts. I want the rest of the thing to be about you guys. But secondly, and more importantly, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you that you don't have to have my job to have my gift. And if you have my gift, you don't have to do my job. If you have this gift of prophecy and, and, and speaking on behalf of God, it doesn't have to look like a sermon. You don't necessarily have to be a teacher or a life group leader. You can simply be a a Christian who goes about your daily life, but God has given you the ability. He has given you the superpower to speak into someone's life and, and, and be the very words of God to them in the moment when they need it most. See, you can use this superpower whenever the Spirit of God moves you to apply the Word of God to a child of God, be they found or lost. It's significant that the first gift mentioned in Romans 12, 6 is prophecy, and it comes in a context of do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Because whether you like it or not, when you, when you decide to exercise this gift, it kind of puts you in the spotlight. If you're going to be so bold as to speak on behalf of God, like it or not, now I'm literally standing in a spotlight right now, all right? <laughs> um, But it doesn't matter. Metaphorically speaking, it puts you in the spot. When you're like, I think God is saying, everyone's like, what? How do you know? It's my superpower, right? You know, if you feel like, you know, busting the shirt, whatever. But um, it's it's God working through you. See, a truly Christian prophet is going to be humble, and that's going to overflow into actual service to the body. Paul said, I wish more of you could do this. And that, having that gift doesn't automatically mean that you need to go to Bible college or go to seminary and, and get trained to do this job. It might. 
For people listening on the audio recording, I just pointed at the youth group. Maybe that's what that means. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have to be young. Maybe not this crew. Maybe it's y'all. Want to get trained to do this better. Maybe that's what that means. But I will tell you, it, it, the, you can have this gift and not have this job. And, and I've known that for a long time, and it was reinforced this week in a, a, a little book I have in my library. Um, this was given to me by my uh, professor in Bible college. It's If You Want to Preach by Brother Don DeWelt. He's with the Lord now. He was a preaching professor for years and years at Ozark Christian College. In fact, the preaching classroom is named after him. It's the Don DeWelt Preaching Center. And he wrote this as a textbook for Bible college students. He was my dad's professor. And on page 16, there, there's this wonderful assignment where he has the students take an inventory of their heart. And he just says, basically, he's got some questions for him. He says, answer it yes or no, and then give a percentage of your answer. How, how strongly do you feel? 100%? 80%? 20%? What? So here's the first question. Do I honestly feel the greatness of this mission to preach? This, this is a used book. It belonged to someone whose last name is King. I can't read their first name. Maybe Dennis? I don't know. Um, so they wrote in it. There are marks. They, they took the test. They got to see what Brother King wrote. Poor sister. Again, I can't read the first name. Do I feel the greatness of this mission? Yes. Percentage, 80. Pretty strong. Yeah, I should do this. Here's question two. If I were to receive in tomorrow's mail an opportunity to take a job that would pay me $100 a day, this book is copyright 1957. I did the math. That's 900 bucks a day in today's money. If I were to get, so I'm just, let me sub in that number. If I were to get a job that would offer me $900 a day, would I postpone my preparation for the ministry to make this money? No. Why? I was offered more. You can't buy this. You can't buy these gifts. A guy named Simon tried to give Peter money for a gift. Peter told him to check his heart and warned him of the fires of hell. You can't buy this. When Jesus comes into your life, he gives you these gifts. And sometimes he moves them around. And we'll talk more about that in the, later in the series. But I will tell you that when you use your gift... Not just the preacher. When you use this gift, it's something super happens in the church. All right? When the members of the body use their gift, three super things happen. Look at this. Here's the first one. Number one, with this gift in particular, we learn to see past our blind spots. We learn to see past our blind spots. When prophets speak on behalf of God, the stuff in our lives that we'd really like to just ignore, we don't get to ignore. We, the church gets to see past our blind spots, and which is why if you've heard in the church voices speaking out more over the last few years about racism and classism, that's why. It's the Spirit of God saying, hey, you've not been paying attention to this. Wake up. We see past our blind spots. Secondly, the, the hearing preaching, you need to understand, is an act of worship because it shows that you're at least trying to live into submission to God's word. You need to know this, that when the band walks backstage at Chapel Rock, worship does not end. 
And when you walk out those doors, worship does not end. Because when you hear preaching and you try to structure your life around the word God speaks to you, that's worship. And then the third thing that happens is that it gives us certainty in an uncertain world. When you have a word from God, you can live boldly for Jesus. In a world that seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket, if you'll pardon the expression. You can live boldly for Jesus because you've got a word from God and you know it. See, most of the discussion of spiritual gifts in the New Testament is from Paul. But Peter talked about it a little bit. In his first letter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So if you have this gift, then use it in love. It's an expression of grace, so it should sound like grace. If you're going to speak on behalf of God, it better have a a, a note of grace in it. (laughs) If you've got this gift, use it. (laughs) If you don't, keep coming back for this series, because we're talking about bring a friend with you. We're going to talk about your gift. But you need to heed that prophetic word when it's given to you. Summer, 1989. I was 13 years old. My dad was preaching at a CIY conference in what was then called Western State College. It's now Western State Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado. This is where we were. That's a, that's a bummer of a place to have to preach, right? I was sitting with my mom and brother and sister way up in the nosebleed seats in the basketball gymnasium, probably right about where this picture was taken. My dad is a master homiletician. You're going to get to hear him later this fall. He's a master preacher, but that night he gave just a really simple come-to-Jesus sermon. About 1,300 kids there that week at CIY, high school kids. And he just gave a real simple come-to-Jesus sermon and invited him to come forward, which is what we're going to do for you here in a little bit. And that night, fully 250 kids came forward. Half of them were first-time decisions to follow Jesus. And in that moment, sitting right about here in that gym, the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart It wasn't audible, but I heard the voice in my heart, and he just said, that's what I want you to do. And in that moment, 13 years old, I understood what God's purpose for me was going to be and how he was going to use my gift. Now, it took me another 10 years after that to really kind of dial in on it. But that certainty, that sense of having a word from God, that prophetic voice has gotten me through some of the best days and the hardest days of my life. It has gotten me through times that I just wanted to quit. It's gotten me through times that I'm scared out of my mind, and I wouldn't trade one second of that because it was God's gift. You don't have to understand. You just got to obey when he gives you a gift. Every single moment has been worth it, friends. You know why? Because the church needs people who can see into others' hearts. God's x-ray vision. And we need your gift. Maybe you have this. If you have it and you know it, use it. Use it for God's glory. Use it to build up the church. But maybe you don't know what your gift is. Listen, we've got a a class here at, at Chapel Rock that we've just started offering called Wired. And you can go on our website. There's information in your bulletin about that. It starts two weeks from today during this hour. So go, come to the 915 service, and then you stick around for class, okay? 
goes three weeks. If you don't know what your gift is, that class is specifically designed to equip you to find out. There's an assessment that you're given. You get to sit down across the table with one of our elders and talk about it. I do some more teaching specifically on this. If you've not done this, if you don't know what your gift is and how to use it, you better sign up for Wired. If nothing else, just check the membership box on the connection card. We'll send you an email, so check your email this week and and, and be watching for that. We'll help you get signed up. If you don't know what your gift is, it's okay to not know, but it's not okay to stay not knowing. You you need to know what it is so you you can't use powers if you don't know what they are. You gotta know what they are. Maybe some of you know. If you know, use your gift. Maybe you don't know. If you don't know, find out. Maybe you can't know. You can't know because you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've been putting it off. For whatever reason, you've never yielded your life. You've never said, okay, that's it. I give up. You win. You can have my life. And you've never confessed him as Lord, and you've never been baptized, which means you've never received the Spirit, which means you can't know what your gift is. It hasn't yet been given. I'm asking you today, come now.